Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the CDL Podcast channel. Uh, in this episode of the podcast today, we got a pretty interesting one. We got loads of news topics. Uh, we had we had some planned out, and then a little bit before the podcast was about to uh, get started recording, we had a couple rosters leaked or announced. We had some challengers rosters leaked. We had all kinds of news being leaked. We had phase becoming publicly traded. All kinds of stuff to talk about in this episode, as well as a little bit of a debate segment. We picked out a couple topics after we get through the news. Um, there's a boatload of news today, and we're going to get into a little bit of debate topics, kind of see where Kyle and I stand. And uh, without further ado, uh, we're going to get into it. Kyle, how you doing today? Doing pretty well. Uh, you know, I've been, uh, yeah, just... Uh, you know kind of waiting for more news to come out and uh i don't know it just seems like there's uh we're kind of getting down to the nitty-gritty like uh like we said or like we're going to cover you know vanguard's coming out real soon now so so, uh we're gonna be able to see some away i know we're gonna be able to see some uh gameplay and everything so uh starting to get that excitement back up yeah, we're gonna get the the day one GAs. It's probably gonna be twenty things GA'd by the end of the first mm-hmm. twenty-four hours. Uh I'm pretty excited because at this time of year, it's almost like I'm looking for things to pass the time until the new game comes out because every day seems so much longer. You wait for it. Uh going on a little trip this weekend, so that'll hopefully help it come here faster than next Friday. Uh it's here. But before we get into the news, if you guys are watching on YouTube, be sure to leave a like, comment, and subscribe in this video. Comment down below your thoughts. We've had a lot of new people commenting, and that's awesome to see. It's fun to talk with all you guys. If you guys have any ideas for potential questions, uh, like we're going to do in our debate segment later in this episode, drop them down below. It's maybe something we'll read off in the next video and discuss, because we're always open to new suggestions. And if you're listening on the audio platforms, uh, be sure to drop a follow on there and come check us out on YouTube. And I'm going to throw our Twitters in the link in the description, so you can go show uh, the official podcast account some love, Kyle's account some love, and uh, just keep supporting us however you can. We appreciate it. Um, but I think we can get into the news right away. We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, we usually do like a little topic at the end. We went with a shorter topic towards the end after the news in this podcast because there's actually just so much news to discuss. The first one, uh, we mentioned a little bit already, is the Vanguard news dropping uh, this Friday. How many hours are you planning to play when it drops, Kyle? Uh, you know, it, um, huh, I'm not exactly sure if I'm going to you know, be getting it opening day or what. Um, I might wait to see, you know, what the gameplay is like and mm-hmm. if, there, if there's a ranked. I'm not a big, um, you know, in the past few titles, I haven't been a big, like, camo prestige grinder. Uh, you know, I, I really started kicking up my Cold War play once the league play dropped. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, keeping up with all of the GAs and, you know, what the map set is and stuff. Uh, I really think having the, the a ranked play would help me get on the game a lot faster. Oh, 100%. But, you know, I'll, I'll probably be watching some uh, good amount of Twitch uh, next weekend when it comes. Oh, I'm going to be I'm going to be watching plenty of Twitch. I'm planning that whole weekend to just sink my teeth into the gameplay so many hours. Usually what I do, I have a little squad of friends I play with, and we're just going to be grinding out pubs, basically learning how the game feels, the maps, and then I kind of hit that wall like you're talking about a week or two in. I'm just kind of like, all right, I'm ready for ranked. I've been playing so much pubs. I've been playing pubs for 12 plus years. There's only so much you can play every year. And I'm just ready to get into fully, fully ranked play. So hoping that drops right away because I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm ready. I'm excited to play. But if we don't get a ranked play for a while, I'm going to I'm going to kind of be in that same lull. Uh, That's enough Vanguard talk. We'll wait till we get a big discussion on it. Once the game actually drops, we get our hands on it. We're able to watch some gameplay, kind of feel it out. 
But the first news we want to get into, a little bit of roster news. We kind of knew this was coming. Obviously, this isn't like some shock, but the New York Subliners roster was officially announced uh, as their roster we expected. Krim, Clay, Hydra, and Neptune. Do you have any thoughts on the potential of this roster? Obviously, we've kind of had this roster in our mind, like I said, for a while. But any thoughts on the potential? You know, I I, I hope this will be, you know, what Clay wants finally, because, you know, it seemed yeah. like in New York, like New York uh, Cold War iteration, it seemed like he didn't really voice his concerns until like the game was already underway. Um, so we were all kind of at least I was under the impersonation or the impression that he like that was the squad that he wanted. He wanted like yeah. the young talent and stuff. And then, you know, finally we see all like, you know, he's yelling at the squad and in between rounds and then he takes that step away and it's like, oh, man, maybe Clay didn't really want this roster. Um, but, you know, now he gets another veteran like Krim coming into the squad and, uh, you know, he uh, swaps out his other sub SMG for Neptune. Um, you know, obviously a, a really good SMG duo, we would say on paper um, coming in. And then obviously Krim is Krim. Uh, so I, I, I really think this team could be kind of, you know, have have the same potential that NYSL do, uh, showed during the cold war season like um consistently making it to like you know winners finals losers finals mm-hmm. stuff like that yeah i agree i think they obviously have a lot of potential i feel like when i see this team it's kind of the same thing it's like i don't know if they have the skill ceiling to get to that top level but anytime you doubt crim and clay teams they always find themselves in the top two of like everything their duo card is insane they've been in like the finals of every tournament they've played together basically some some absurd stat like that it's like i feel like this team the first thing i think of is super high floor there's just like no way i see this team being anywhere less than like top six top seven like even if they're really struggling i feel like they're still going to always find a way to be in that top six play in a lot of sundays get a lot of top fours even if they're like at their worst because i think hydra is an mvp type player i think i mean criminally you can't doubt the two they both have three rings and they're they always find themselves deep in tournaments and I feel like Neptune is the X factor on this team. It's honestly probably how most people feel, but that's that's my first initial reaction. I think their potential is there. I think they could win some events. They obviously have a potential to be there at the end of the year and win it all with with this team. You're never going to be able to doubt uh, Krim and Clay with all the rings they have. They're always going to be there at the end. That's that's like my main takeaway of this team when I see them. They're not like a super sexy team, and I don't see them being like the flashiest team that like you see New York subliners are coming out. Oh my god, I'm so excited to watch them! But they're going to play fundamentally sound as long as they can get Neptune on that same page. And they just have a super high floor. I just can't see them being bad. There's almost no way they're bad, in my opinion. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I would, uh, you know, any time you have Krim and Clay on the same team, they always seem to, you know, make their fair share of finals and win at least one. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I definitely won't be turning them off when they come on stream, that's for sure, just because, uh, you know, I, I would definitely peg them as a, you know, for sure top five team mm-hmm. um at least in my in my estimation yeah i i definitely agree with that that's that's exactly where i was like i said top six top seven is the absolute worst i see them like there's there's just no way this team ends up being bad unless we see some like crazy unexpected event happen with them uh, i just can't see a way that that this team ever is bad but uh if you've got nothing else to say we can move on to another little new york subliners topic here yeah we got we got Zuma leaving 
New York subliners, obviously not officially announced where he's headed to, uh, but the rumors are all showing and he's been baiting forever. Like, oh my God, I'm going to optic. I'm going back to phase. Oh, I'm going to hundred thieves. He's been baiting it all, which I mean, he's having fun with it, but he left NYSL. I don't think it's much of a shock. He kind of outgrew them. He's like almost more popular than the entire franchise since they're so new and uh, his stream obviously blew up with the flank and all the games he plays the GTA role play and stuff. Uh, any thoughts on this? Do you think there's an org that suits him best? Uh, do you think he's going to go to a certain org? What are, you, what are you thinking? I don't know. I almost liked him on Subliners just because he drew more you know, eyes to that brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of sad to see him leave because I don't think that, you know, if, if Optic poaches him, you know, it's just one more cog in their wheel. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that that would be the best place for him. Um I, I could probably see him going to like, you know, obviously he has a history with phase and mm-hmm. Faze seems like the uh, obvious answer with that history. Yeah. And you know, phase doesn't really like pump out a whole lot of content surrounding their competitive COD team. Um, so, you know, if Zuma wound up back there, uh, wouldn't be the most shocked, but, uh, you know, I think it's pretty public knowledge that he, you know, he moved to LA. So that <laughs> definitely like screams that he's going to be, mm-hmm. you know, there by the cash app compound hundred of thieves um he kind of seems like a you know kind of he he really fits that mold of like you know the lifestyle brand streamer like he i don't know just you know, he's a young guy i don't know just he kind of fits that hundred t bill for mm-hmm. me. um so that would probably be my first place i'd expect is a hundred thieves and then phase i don't really think optic is in the cards for him no, I think Optic would make sense. Like if he went there, it wouldn't be like a that's shocking or that's a bad choice. I think that'd also be a good choice. Just Optic, with the way they always have been, they're not really a team to sign new people. I, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Like they've had the same people. Like they've got Bose and Big Timer still in there who haven't like played competitive in forever and haven't been making a ton of content, but they're just still in Optic. And it's like once Optic finds their people that they like, they stick with them forever. They don't usually like sign the only time they ever signed bigger streamers and like bigger content creators was when Hex wasn't in control. They just it's just not something they do. Uh, although Zuma technically was on Optic, he filled in for Dashi when Dashi had Visa issues in Black Ops Four. He actually played with them for a little bit, so technically he's been on Optic for a little bit uh, when Phase didn't qualify. But yeah, Optic doesn't seem likely. It would be a good fit, but not likely. I'd say I agree. I think everybody's gonna agree. Hundred Thieves and uh, and Phase seem to be the most likely, especially you. Um, with all of his time he spent on phase phase just signs content creators left and right he seems like that's probably most likely but yeah like you said move to la hundred thieves is out there they're kind of the fastest growing brand right now in esports they're just popping off on uh every facet of the business i would say 100 percent, i agree with both i think most people are gonna say that phase suits investors because that's what we all know him from but i actually would lean towards LA Thieves and 100 Thieves suiting him better, and I hope that's where he ends up. It also makes sense. Being in LA, he can create content in person instead of just online, like he would have to most likely uh, with FaZe because people are all over. They don't create a lot of in-person content with so many members, but I feel like 100 Thieves, it can kind of keep him around COD. It can keep him talking CDL, and he can just just keep growing the brand, go with Nadeshot, stick with an owner that's from COD, and continue to blow up. They seem like they have similar trajectories, like Zuma blew up out of nowhere and just is on a just rocket ship to the moon right now with his content. And Hundred Thieves is the same way. They're not very old and they're just everything they do, it seems like they do it right and everything they touch turns into gold. So I feel like they're kind of a match made in heaven. And I kind of hope he ends up on Hundred Thieves. 
yeah, I I totally agree that uh that would probably be the best for him. The other point with uh you know Zuma signing for another org is like it seemed like you know being a part of subliners he he it didn't like it didn't seem like it was uh you know invading the unbiased nature of the flank and like you know what they were able to discuss like you even had zuma at like one point when the whole uh i i believe it was when the whole hook situation dropped like you know him and ben were like on the phone and you know ben was like you know they don't want us to talk about it and zuma was like i'm gonna be on like i don't care Um, yeah he was kind of like rebelling against like the establishment so (laughs) yeah um, yeah I, i would just hope that you know whatever org does take him on is willing to uh you know kind of have not a loose cannon but somebody that's like not afraid to speak their mind and you know cover topics and yeah you know it isn't just going to be like a like cozy up to the org and you know say that you know their four players are the best four players in the game and you know nobody else comes close or something do you think it's a hundred percent that he's going to sign with a team that has a cdl franchise like i mean there's i don't Unless something crazy happens, I don't think there's a way he signs with any other CDL team as a content creator besides uh, Thieves or FaZe or I guess technically Optic if they're willing to sign him. I don't think there's any way he signs with any of the other nine teams. So do you think there's a chance he signs with like a NRG or I mean, I don't know that NRG is like the team I'm thinking of. That's the first org I thought of. That's technically out of COD if they're actually selling their spot. Uh, but like, do you think there's a chance he signs with a team that doesn't have a COD team? Uh, I don't. I don't see that happening just because, you know, when's the time that we see Zuma have the most viewers? It's when he's doing like an emergency flank or something. Um, You know, the GTA role play and like that's all just stuff that, you know, you can't play Warzone like 24 7, to be honest, or you can't do Call of Duty, all that. Um, So I I think that, and, and, you know, that's a, that's a game that's been out forever and, you know, it still has a massive following. So, um, I, I I don't I think he'll definitely like be a COD centric streamer, uh, or you know mm. be on be signed to a an org that's pretty centered around Call of Duty. Yeah, I agree. I just didn't know. I feel. I mean, I feel like we're all assuming he's signing with like Thieves or Phase or the Dark Horse Optic, but like there's also the, always that possibility that there's a team outside of esports that comes and offers him the bag. You got Tim the Tatman on Complexity now, and they could be getting into COD soon. Maybe they offer him the bag. You just never know, but. Uh, kind of along the lines of phase, you want to talk about our next little topic about phase going public on the trade market? Yeah, uh, for what sure. that could do to other esports. I mean, I can just give a little piece of what I what I think because I haven't. I saw it today or yesterday, whenever it came out that um, they were going to be publicly traded. I didn't like look much into when it's starting or how exactly it came about. So I'm a little bit ignorant on the topic, but I know uh, obviously they're going to be a publicly traded company and. I believe they're the first esports team to do that, that I know of at least. Uh, it's it's pretty interesting because it's something that just a few years ago, maybe uh, we would have never, if you told your parents that there's a esports video game team that was being publicly traded, they probably would have laughed at you and been like, well, that seems kind of pointless. And now it's like, holy crap, everybody wants to invest in them. They're phased, they're blowing up. And are other orgs going to follow what's going to happen? In my opinion, it's just something cool to see. I'd like to invest in them just because... I mean, I, I think FaZe is only going to get bigger knowing the scene the way I do and following the scene for the last 12 plus years, not just COD, but video games and esports organizations in general. I just think it's a really cool development to see that we're at the point where uh, esports teams can start to become publicly traded and be such huge companies. I don't know. It 
it makes me a little sad in some ways because it's almost like I miss when we were close knit and we were just like one community. But it's very cool to see an esports org become this successful that they can they can be publicly traded on the market. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Phase is like second to hundred thieves and kind of like the lifestyle streamer. Um, yeah, I would you say. Know, it, they kind of try and make themselves a little bit more than just like video games. And then you obviously you have optic there, but optics more like content and, uh, you know, it, it, you, you kind of know the faces at optic, but like, mm-hmm. you know, phase is just like, you know, they have, Nick, Mer- <laughs> they have Nick Merckx, who's like one of the biggest streamers in the world. And, uh, you know, a, a thousand, it seems like thousands of other people just like, you know, they're doing stuff. And, uh, I don't know, just, uh, it's pretty exciting, but at the same time, like, I don't know. I mean, you, you kind of take that risk when you go public and, you know, your your revenue share is based on, like, you know, stock prices going up or down yeah. or, like, um, and, you know, it, it'll definitely be, like, really cool to see, you know, the community be able to invest or, you know, buy shares of phase. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I'm not a financial whiz by any means, but mm. uh, definitely something that sounds cool to me. Yeah, it's just it's just like a a moment to be like, wow, like this is something that we've loved. Uh, even if you're not like haven't been a big esports fan for long, even if you just like loved video games for a long time, it's just something that's kind of be like a cool like, wow, people hated on it forever, and now it's it's getting to the point where it's really in the mainstream media. It's being talked about on the public market. It's just kind of a a cool thing, whether you like it or not. Uh, like whether you're a fan of them going uh, public or not, it's just kind of a cool thing to realize like wow we're at this point where it's even possible for an esports team to go public and for them to be met with a lot of people wanting to invest in them it's just a really cool moment obviously we'll see how it goes for them and they're kind of going to be the blueprint which that's not shocking because phase has kind of been the blueprint for all steps i mean optic and phase were at about the same point when they were sniper clans um obviously you can't knock either they've both been extremely successful since then and grown a lot optic decided to go more of the close-knit route maybe stay a little smaller, but have more dedicated fan base and phase decided to go, we're going to sign all these people. We're going to start doing lifestyle content and they've obviously blown up, but you can see both models worked because phase is globally huge and has all these fans uh, and on all different esports, all different video games, just lifestyle content in general. They aren't even fans of video games. They have just fans everywhere in optic. Despite all those fans that phase have, they still have the most in call of duty because they built that uh, close tight knit fan base. So it's just, it's cool to see FaZe continues to be kind of the trailblazer for everything esports. Uh, and I'm excited to see if other other teams follow and maybe kind of how big FaZe can make this because it's something we've obviously never seen before. So we're kind of going to have to watch it all unfold in front of our eyes and, and see how it goes. Yeah, for sure. All that right. kind of takes Another us into stock the related topic, thing. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I don't know as much about this one. I can let you kind of take the lead on because I literally saw it was posted I meant to click on the article and read it, and I was just so busy over this past weekend that I never really read too much into the article. Yeah, so I guess, um, you know, Optic uh, released a, a coin, a cryptocurrency of a sense, and, uh, you know, it was it's essentially, um, you know, their version of like a loyalty, kind of like a fan mm-hmm. consumer product that they, uh, you know, they made, avail- they made available to everyone. And, uh, Apparently, it's supposed to give you like exclusive access or early access to, you know, optic specific promotions. Um, and you know, there, I guess the main thing around it is there was kind of some like, you know, reason to be a little bit concerned that uh, 
apparently like you could only buy $20 at one time. Um, that was kind of like how they were releasing it to the public. And if you looked back at like the transaction history, because it like, it's like a blockchain. So you can kind of see all the transactions, but not like who's making them. Um, you know, you, I guess you can see that, you know, there was apparently people that owned the optic coin before it was released to the public and they're just kind of selling it back to the public now. So huh. I don't know. It, I, I, I don't know anything more than that. Maybe there was like some, I don't think it's anything like too nefarious, but like if, if whoever, like if, if Hex released it to like his close friends or something before he released it to the public and then his friends are just like profiteering off of like selling it back. Yeah. That seems kind of that's weird to me. That happened, but yeah. I mean, it's not personally, it's not something that I'll be investing in. I'm not a huge like cryptocurrency nerd myself. Like I, yeah. I haven't gotten into all that. Um, you know, I wish I would have maybe, but <laughs> that's another story. Yeah. It's, it's something that I'm definitely really interested in. I just haven't invested the time to be super knowledgeable about it, but I don't know from what I've heard about it. Like you said, it seems like it gives you like if you buy it, it's something that can give you early access to like merch drops or promotions and stuff. And obviously, I'm sure there's a lot more to it, but stuff like that has never been my thing. I just always I mean, I'll be honest, I'm a pretty cheap person. I don't really like to spend my money. I like to save it and invest it Um, and just stuff where I have to like like if I'm going to buy your merch, I don't like to have to pay a membership to be a part of something and then also buy your merch. It's just like. I get that, like, if the stuff's still being released to the public and these people just get early access, I guess that's you pay a premium price to get early access to guarantee you get the merch or whatever before it sells out. I guess I, I understand the logic behind it and it's a good money making strategy. I've just never been a fan of something that you purchase and it's like I'm purchasing a membership to therefore then purchase more stuff from you. It's like I'm already going to give you my money and spend money on your clothes. Why do I have to pay extra money to have the right to purchase it? It's just. I don't know. Stuff like that just seems like a money grab to me, but I'm sure there's a lot more to it. I need to read up more. Like I said, I can kind of plead ignorance on this one a little bit because I haven't really read enough about it to know the full picture. But when I hear stuff uh, about buying memberships in order to buy more stuff from a person, it always is just something that I'm, I don't know. I'm just not a fan of. Like if I was to release my own merch and was blessed enough to have a following that people wanted to buy a bunch of merch from me, I would just like, obviously there's going to be a price for the merch, but it would just be released straight up and you'd buy it and that'd be it. I wouldn't want all these extra fees involved because I mean, I don't want to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars when I buy an article of clothing or just a piece of merch in general. So that was my first thought when I heard about it. But like I said, there's probably so much more involved that I might be wrong on that because uh, mm-hmm. I haven't done my, my detailed research or anything on it. But I want to move on to our next little topic here, also kind of related to optic. Yeah, let's keep, keep it rolling here. The process episode six, just a little while ago, as we're recording this, about an hour or two ago, there was a tweet posted uh, on the Optic Twitter talking about how the process episode six is coming soon. Looked like from the pictures, it was going to be a pretty emotional one. Uh, had a picture of Scump and Formal and Envoy. There was kind of a cool looking picture of, I believe it was Envoy and Formal walking out, like just like a little tribute looking picture. It looks like this episode. Is going to obviously be focused on champs and have enough scump and dash in it, but it's going to be a lot focused on Envoy and his time. It seems like there'll be a little bit of that in him leaving, and then it seems like it'll be a lot of kind of a tribute to formal and going over his career and highlighting it because obviously he's really, along with like Nade Shot and Scump, one of the most legendary players in Optic history, one of the most loved. Seems like it'll be an episode full of tributes to him, so something that 
I'm really looking forward to watching. I like to watch. I like that so much more teams are doing process type things like Dallas started to do it a little bit. Minnesota started to do it. Toronto even started to do it. Uh, every team that puts it out, if all 12 teams put it out, I'm watching all 12 because it's just something that really interests me, the behind the scenes stuff. So I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, I mean, any, yeah, anything that, uh, you know, Optic Roger and uh, Hitch and those guys over at Optic, they always do a great job of... Uh, Their storytelling is incredible. Yeah, exactly. Like, they... And that's like the one of the main allures of optic to me is like how they get you to feel things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, feel emotions and, you know, they, they tell a story and it's very clear what they want you to mm-hmm. take away from their productions as well. Um, and yeah, so I mean, obviously Envoy Formal, uh, you know, two beloved players obviously formal spent a lot more time with optic and yeah. that brand than envoy did but you know envoy was kind of there from the beginning of the franchise so mm-hmm. uh, i think a lot of fans were kind of sad to see him go as well um especially since he's going to like nade shot like hex's direct competitor now that he's merging with uh you know allegedly merging with envy and hastro but uh yeah i I'm looking forward to watching it as well. Uh, I think it's appointment viewing for any Call of Duty fan. And um, like you said, I, I wish that a lot more teams would do kind of these like documentary docu-series behind the scenes stuff. Um, and, you know, hopefully teams kind of like not rip off what Optic's doing, but, you know, they, they use it as motivation because I don't think it's like Optic doesn't have like a a, a prior, like a, a priority over making uh you know, it's not a proprietary content of like making docu docu series stuff. So I, I definitely yeah. think there's room for other teams to do similar material. Oh, I wish all twelve would do it because it it would give you a great picture and it would get more fans than those other teams. Like it would give you a great picture on how all the stories are going for their season. And like we're gonna talk about it a little bit later. Story arcs are what make teams remembered and loved. Like people like to know the story of somebody's team and how they got to where they are. And it's just it's something fun. So I mean, I'm super looking forward to it. I don't even care if you hate optic. It's an interesting story. I mean, there are teams that I've not been a fan of in the past and they put out any piece of content and it's like, wow, you get to know the players a little bit more. And it's just, it makes the team more interesting to you when you feel like, you know, the story that they're going through, it makes the storylines better. And that's, that's what COD is. I never was a WWE person growing up, but that's what everybody always compares it to. Like we have the storylines like the WWE. Um, it's just like the storylines are crazy. You just, when you think something, uh, something's going to go one way, it always seems to go another way. And I just, that's, Honestly, one of the best parts about COD, it's sometimes more interesting than the gameplay is how the storylines are going. So interested to see uh, that episode, obviously going to be watching it the second it comes out. And I'm excited to see the tribute to Formal too, because as I was getting into competitive COD, he was one of the best players as I really started to like fall in love with it. I was always a fan and then I really fell in love in, in the early Jetpack era, Black Ops 2, Ghost, I kind of fell off. That Jetpack era got me in love and Formal was like the best player. So he was somebody that was so fun to watch. So maybe excited to see a little tripped on memory lane of of his past performances but kind of moving on to a little bit more roster stuff we've got the rumor rosters dropped today from cdl intel crone obviously goat as usual giving us some more intel bombs he says the paris roster looking like it's john decimate temp and fellow as of right now you got you got any major thoughts on that yeah i was wondering where the ar is yeah that's, um, that was literally <laughs> my first thought are we going to have just like a AR by committee here? Um, because I, I mean, we definitely saw temp running like the flex uh, at thieves when he was in his time there. And then I would say maybe 
decimate our fellow because we know John's an SMG. Like he's not John's not going to run an AR. No. Um, so I'm just kind of curious there. Um, wondering who they're going to pick up as their sub as well, just to see if maybe there's an AR in there, and then one of one of the players that's like one of these four will be on the bench to start. But uh, yeah, kind of underwhelmed. But I guess that's what we'd expect from Barris. Oh, 100%. We expect to be underwhelmed by Paris, unfortunately. That's, I literally, when you said about where's the AR, I thought of those kids that you see where they post, like, why isn't this your roster? And they post, like, four ARs as the roster. Or, like, why isn't this your roster? And it's, like, Simp, Abizi, Scump, and I don't know, who's another sub, like, Neptune or something. It's, like, okay, yes, those four players individually, like, when you look at them uh, by themselves, they're disgustingly good players, but there's such a thing called team composition. You've got to have the right team and put together a team that makes sense. And these four players, I think surprisingly are better than the caliber of players. I thought Paris would get like John is an all time great sub. I still think he can be very good. Uh, Decimate. I've never been a huge fan of. I think he's all right, but I think he's kind of underwhelming. He'd be the first person I'd replace for an AR temp. Uh, I, you obviously know what I think about temp. I think he's a great player and we've seen him at times be a top three player in a given game. Black ops four. I think that he has that potential still. And Fellow is a very good player. He's just not been put in great situations. I mean, he got put in a pretty good situation in Modern Warfare. I believe he won with Standy and that team uh, and Naga fan in them. I believe he won Challenger's Champs uh, in Modern Warfare. Then he goes to Dallas, obviously kind of a bad situation. But that was my first thought. I agreed with you. There was kind of a list of players that weren't in the league to start the year that were kind of surprising. There's a couple guys in there. Mohawk, everybody talked about him as a main AR uh tom gravity how long have we heard this guy's name as the top ar and challengers like seems like one of those guys hello aqua i mean like we let him retire to me if aqua was on this team over decimate i'd be in love with it i, I would love fellow is an extremely aggressive sub and he could open up the map for john to be more of the slayer temp is an extremely aggressive flex that can help with your slain and aqua heavy slaying ar that just feels like the perfect team am i am i missing something or no i don't I- yeah, we don't even know who's running the running the show over at Paris. So I think it's, it's kinda, theory. <laughs> uh, all the same, I don't really understand. Um, but it's not like this team would have been beating down the door to be like a top a top half team either. No. Um, just because of you know what Paris is, and unfortunately the the spot they've kind of assumed within the franchise league now. Uh, but, you know, it probably came down to these players being offered, you know, assuming the minimum. And then, you know, maybe they offered it up to a bunch of players and some of these, maybe some challengers players turned it down. I don't know. Like, we don't know that story yet. Maybe. Uh, I don't or, know. I don't know. Um, maybe they're kind of banking on being the first guys picked up midseason and not playing for the minimum or something. But who knows? Usually those... Uh, we get at least a few challengers pickups when teams are kind of struggling. Um, yeah, I this when I see this roster, I think Decimate's going to get replaced for an AR pretty quick. That's my initial reaction. I think he'll probably be the odd man out, get replaced for an AR pretty quick. I hope Aqua makes his return because I would love Aqua on this team. He'd give them that heavy slaying AR with a couple guys that have potential to slay. I actually think they could find themselves into battling for an 8C, which is something we haven't been able to say out of Paris because that's It'd be four very good, solid players. I, I could actually see a way that that team could battle for a top eight, but the way they're constructed now, I think they're going to find themselves back in the bottom four if this roster ends up being true. I hope they rethink it and find any AR Tom Gravity. Like I said, we've been hearing about how good that guy is for forever. I would love to see him get a spot here because we don't know. I yeah, mean, he I might mean, be a great player. And 
you know like those uh those new contracts that they announced like the uh like the one that you can kind of wait and see how they played in the game yeah. itself maybe they're waiting uh to see like what ar stands out and then they're gonna just go poach that guy for minimum or something uh I, i'm pretty I guess, sure yeah i'm pretty sure anybody would take a, a salary you know 50k salary over you know grinding the passion pit but i don't know um I'd, I'd like to see at least one staple ar come into this team and then uh like you said probably for estimate you'd say it would be the odd man out but uh yeah th- those are my thoughts on paris yeah I'm ready to move on. This team just frustrated me because I really, when I saw the three players and then I saw Decimate or any of them replaced for an AR, I was just disappointed. So I'm ready to move on to the other rumor roster that we we basically predicted. I mean, who the fourth was going to be. I said it and I was pretty sure of it. You've got the three we heard of, Methods on the AR, Paul on the Flex, uh, Vivid on one of the subs, and then TJ as the other sub. It was predictable. Like I said, him being best friends with Methods. Honestly, not a world beater roster, but for what their options seem to be, I honestly think they constructed a good roster with a balance of, like we talked about in the last episode, personalities, uh, following, as well as a team that's going to be able to compete. Obviously, we know that basically 10 rosters were constructed by the time this team even had a chance to be put together because with the whole sale going on from NRG and the whole transition and they don't know who's running it, so they can't really offer contracts or figure out a roster. I feel like from what was left, like this is overall a pretty good roster. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I definitely. I don't really see a, a weak spot in the roster. Like I, I think we were saying that we wanted to see more from Paul X. You know, just kind of because he was on that London team that didn't really get a lot of that didn't get a lot of uh, limelight. And then obviously Methods got benched really early on. So, uh, and then he kind of you know blew up streaming. So he wasn't really you know too. He wasn't on my mind for like you know. I, I was even wondering if he was going to come back to competing based on his like Twitch success. Um, and then, you know, Vivid and TJ Halley, probably two of the better subs on the, uh, on the open market right now. Um, I'm, I'm pretty happy with what the, what they, with what they did, all things considered, uh, just have to wait and see how they perform in game. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's like we talked about in the last episode too. It's not like a world beater roster. I don't think they're going to come in and be the top team, but I also don't think they're going to be run over like we've seen a lot of the bottom teams. Like we got Surge in Paris always at the bottom in LAG the last uh, two years. We've seen them just be at the bottom getting run over. I don't think this is a team that's going to get run over. Like I still think they're going to find themselves towards the bottom, but they're going to be a little more competitive. And if this team is willing to make content, uh, whoever is the actual organization that's buying them, if they're willing to make content with it, I think this team could really take off and become popular because I mean, DJ's a little shy on camera and everything, but he's pretty funny just because just the way he acts, he's just funny. Methods, obviously, we know he's great. Uh, and I'd like to see Vivid and Paul develop their young players. It'd be great to develop them with a with a brand and get some star power with them. Uh, so I'm excited to see where this team could go. Uh, you know, I'm a big Methods fan, always have been. I've also always been a big Teach fan. Uh, and this team is built with Methods and Teach as your kind of steady players, although Teach can be inconsistent. And then Paul and Vivid have some star potential. So I'm excited to see with what was left, I feel like. They got a good roster, uh, but we can mm-hmm. move on to the next little topic if if you're ready to. Yeah, let's keep going. Uh, Activision announced that the salary cap is going to be removed for the C uh, for the CDL and the Overwatch League. This is interesting. I guess I still don't really know the full details because we don't know contract details. Seems like it's a decent idea, but also seems like if you got teams like Paris that are still gonna pay the minimum, it 
is going to make the league even more lopsided if they're just going to pay 50k and other teams are offering 500k or something i mean who knows who's going to offer that but it seems like it could just like in baseball make make a wider gap when you've got teams like my brewers who can't spend any money and we got the yankees who can spend a billion every year like obviously we're not talking that large scale in cod but there could be a huge discrepancy on teams like lag that have a ton of money and teams like paris that have no money and they could just be at a complete disadvantage now so that's a little scary but i don't mind it like i don't think it's going to be super effective yeah i i think that the cdl still implement like it wasn't a hard salary cap i think they still had like a luxury tax um thing where like you would probably assume that teams like optic and phase were paying luxury taxes just based on you know where these guys were and uh you know what was you know what they were you know just the, the amount of like star power um but obviously we don't know what the number is and what contracts look like so it's kind of hard to uh to say um and with there being only 12 teams i definitely want to echo your point of like you know what is it going to make the league more lopsided i don't think so um unless these players really start you know demanding more money and teams are willing to pay it but uh it kind of seems like we're, we're i think we're in a decent place with like what players are making and uh you know how, how the franchise league is kind of shaped out for you know making sure that you know they have benefits and stuff like that but um yeah maybe this will motivate teams to make content and make a little extra money so they can stay competitive <laughs> i mean yeah that could be a benefit of it but i mean that's the one thing i i hope it could maybe do is motivate people because i also don't want people to get in the loser mentality of oh we have no fans so we can't pay because we're not making money well if you're a team like paris or london and these teams that aren't making any content we'll go out there and make content and get fans i mean especially for paris and london like hello you've got one of the easiest passes to get fans you're the only team in your respective country like you could get a whole country behind you obviously with these teams uh in the u.s they they could get a state but it's a little different like you're going to just kind of be fans of like people from all over. They're all from the U S it's kind of all NA players. We've been watching for so long that like, they're not really specifically affiliated with the state, but like the, the London team, they're basically going with all guys from the UK. Like you got, you got a whole country you could get behind you or Paris. You got a whole country you could get behind you. There's crazy fans of COD esports and they seem to be very loyal to their team in London forever. And there's crazy fans when they had like ESWC in Paris, the fans were crazy. Like you've got such an opportunity. Like you can make so much money. Uh, if, if you're willing to put out content and really get some stuff around your team. So I guess that's my one takeaway. Maybe it can motivate teams to make a little more money, but I don't know. I really, I I really don't know. I feel like we have to see, see this play out a couple of years to see if we start to see a huge discrepancy between a couple of the rich teams having crazy good rosters and the other teams just not being able to pay enough to afford them. But there's so many good players that I don't even think that can happen because there's enough talent to spread out at this point. Yeah, I, I agree with that notion. But I'm excited to see where it goes because hopefully this could lead to us having more public contracts too, like we've talked about. But the next thing we had to talk about, Wuskin hints that him and Scraps uh, are going to be potentially doing something, maybe teaming once Vanguard drops. It should be interesting to see because I don't know if they're going to be back in Europe playing in the EU Challenger scene or if they're going to be in NA still playing uh, in the NA Challenger scene. But Two, obviously, very talented players. We know that Scraps is in the CDL last year, had an underwhelming year with Paris, but we know that he's a talented player. We obviously know Waskin and MW was one of the best ARs in the game. Uh, he was an elite player. 
in that game. So I'll be interested to see if they can put together a good team, make some noise in challengers, maybe find their way back into the league. I feel like they're a duo that could fit so perfectly with expansion. If we hit after Vanguard, if we expand to 16 teams, like a lot of people finally think we're going to do, they seem like the perfect duo to pick up because I mean, eventually you're not going to be able to have the best team if all the players are sticking, but they're two talented players with a huge brand. Uh, so it seems like they could be a potential duo that if they can put themselves in a position to have a really good year, we could see them get picked up. So I'm excited to see what they can do. I hope it's not like content pieces because that's going to be unfortunate because I'd really like to see them both compete because I know they still can. So I hope it's something with them and challengers together. Yeah, I, I believe that they're back in the EU right now. Um, okay. So I, I couldn't really see them coming back to NA just to complete and compete in challengers. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know maybe it's bait that they're just like man we want to get back in but you know we don't really have a you know we need two uh, we need two guys for uh you know for um challengers or something but uh you know definitely they have two they have really big followings they're two like super likable you know british guys eu guys um definitely don't want to see them like go away from competitive if they can if they have a an end to you know continue to make mm-hmm. content or do something or play um but yeah i mean uh it seemed more like weskin was just like man i kind of have that itch but i don't really know what i'm doing yet but you know something will happen i don't know so i guess more will more will be revealed there yeah um i'm excited to see them like like you said they're i mean a, a great they're also just like two of the funniest people in this scene like both of them are comedy when you get them on content and they seem very comfortable which is also a big thing you can only be so good on uh in content if if you're uncomfortable and they seem to be two people that are just super super comfortable um and i'm excited to see them more i hope that they can propel themselves into a spot back in the league because like i said think they're good players and also think they're just fantastic personalities so i'm excited to see them compete uh and then Next piece of news, we got Kenny uh, hinting and saying that LA Thieves players are moving to LA regardless uh, of if it's LAN or online. This is interesting to me. It's not as big of a deal because of the fact that we're expecting the whole season of matches to be on LAN. Uh, I mean, online, there's plenty of people that have lived in California and gotten their practice online. Scump did it forever. He was living in California, formal and then all the matches were on land and stuff and they were just fine. They could get enough good practice uh, in the online setting. Interested to see, I guess if this affects them, obviously if they're playing matches online, I know, I know they said something about if they're playing matches online, they would move to, to Texas for the matches, but that could get also annoying going back and forth, back and forth. If they have to play a lot of online matches, I guess I'm interested to see though, how this goes. I, I mean, it makes sense. They want to move to LA. They can get a lot of content going. We can't complain because we always talk about how we want teams to do content. So we can't complain about them moving their players to do content because then we just be contradicting ourselves. But I'm excited for the content pieces because I think this team, I mean, with Octane, Envoy, Kenny, like Draza, you've got the personalities to make a star-studded team that gets popular. But I'm a little worried that if there's online matches, this could really affect their performance. Yeah, I mean, from my point of view, I it's just kind of interesting that they were like, yep, we're doing it. doesn't matter if it's uh land or online, like, um, and like, we don't know what the format of the league is yet. If it's going to be like online play seating matches and then like majors mm-hmm. on land. Um, so just kind of interesting, like 
I could definitely see how it would get annoying having to like fly back and forth from LA to, you know, Dallas every week, weekend or oh, so just awful. to play. Um, but I, I think I'm, I'm more pro than moving to LA and being like, you know, part of the hundred thieves, LA thieves culture out there. Um, you know, getting in content shoots and stuff and, yeah. uh, you know, it seems like it's kind of Nate shots like passion. They had that zero to one hundred series in Black Ops Four. That was basically like vision or the process. That's something they could bring back if they're all there, kind of like the behind the scenes of the team and how they grow, just like Optic does with the process. That'd be awesome to see if they're all in the same location. Yeah, I'm excited for that because I mean, and we know Hundred Thieves and Ally Thieves, they do the content game right. So having them all there will hopefully continue to help that grow and just feed us more content. I'd be excited for it. Um. One of the last pieces of news we have, Nubsy, no longer pursuing uh, a future in competitive coaching, it seems like. Um, I guess this came as a little bit of a shock because it seems like overall he has a pretty decent, um, like a pretty decent support in the competitive community, I guess. Like, I know he had two really horrible years with Surge, but I feel like the consensus among uh, players is that he's a pretty good coach overall and he knows what he's talking about especially when it comes to search so I'm surprised he wouldn't get another shot and it must have been really dry for him in terms of like interest because he didn't even like say he's just not taking a spot for now and gonna potentially look into it later uh, he's said he's basically just for now just no longer pursuing a future in competitive coaching which is just crazy to think about because he's been a coach for the entire CDL tenure the two years Obviously, like I said, not a lot of success, but just crazy to see that he just decided to pack it all in together. Uh, hope nothing but the best for him. I honestly hope he comes back to coaching because I think he kind of his reputation just kind of got absolutely destroyed by just a terrible team situation. So I hope he comes back. But you got any thoughts on this? Yeah, I, th- I thought it was kind of funny um, that I mean, first, like, obviously, I kind of wanted Nubsy to stick around. I wanted him to get a coaching position uh, to some degree, but. I thought it was funny when they were like, oh, Octane squad wiped the original Surge squad from MW. You know, Karma's gone, Enable's gone, Slack's gone, App's gone. Uh, and, you know, Octane is now in Hundred Thieves. So, you know, Octane kind of. And, you know, he always makes jokes about like he, he benched Enable like mm-hmm. five million times. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, him and Nubsy seem to have a good, you know, working relationship on, you know, they kind of banter back and forth to each other on Twitter and stuff. So, um, it's pretty funny, but uh, yeah, it just kind of, it, it's kind of, to me, I was like, man, this kind of provides a larger commentary on like, uh, you know, what even one bad year can do for you uh, to your stock to like what the, the scene thinks of you if you have like one bad year and like what your future holds, um, your future opportunities, um, because obviously two like pretty terrible years coaching surge. Um, I don't know. I mean, you just kind of wish that that hadn't happened to a guy like Nubsy um, because it, it seemed like it probably wasn't his fault. <laughs> you know, he, he I think he was doing the best no. he could. Um, but, you know, I, I guess the the league writ large kind of devalued Nubsy pretty hard. And uh, you know, he, obviously teams weren't lining up at the door to get him to come coach them. So, um, yeah, just uh, obviously, like you said, wish him the best. But kind of it is what it is yeah it's unfortunate that's also the unfortunate reality of having a more serious league and less spots and stuff is 
you don't perform, you're not going to continue to have a job, which is kind of relates to the whole like Seattle surge being squad wiped. Because I mean, you look at the people that got squad wiped, like the, if you include Nubsy in there, the four players that have basically retired or aren't in the league anymore. Um, obviously besides Octane are four absolute legends. They're in everybody's top 30. Both of two of them are in like everybody's top 10. Uh, you got karma, obviously, in the discussion for being the greatest player of all time. You've got a guy like Enable, who's up there towards the top of being one of the best players. You even got a uh, guy like Slack, who's maybe not right at the top, but he's in those top 30 lists every time, too. Like, he's a great player. And Apathy, another top 10 player, two rings. Like, it's crazy that they all hit Surge and all were like, I mean, Karma was just coming off being on Optic and having like a ton of success. Enable was just coming off uh, a multi championship year on 100 Thieves. Black was coming off a year with LG in BO4 where he won an event. Apathy was coming off a little bit more of a down year, but had a great performance at the Black Ops 4 champs. Like they were all coming into the CDL on kind of a high point. You had three of them had won an event the previous year and Enable slacked and Karma and Apathy was coming off a great event, like one of his best events uh, of the year. And it was like, okay, all these players are coming up and they come into Surge and all their careers just die. Uh, just they're going to need to be like a documentary on the first couple years of the surge and how it was like the <laughs> retirement home that killed all these goats. Like I can't even like think of a, a sports reference that could like come close to this where you have like all the best players or some of the best players in their sport team up and they all just, just flop and end up being out of the league. Like it's, it's an absurd story. Like we all, we all kind of meme it and joke about it, which I mean, it, it is a meme. It's, it's kind of funny to talk about in a way, but like, Man, this needs to be a documentary. Talk about a content piece. Like, what happened in Seattle? Like, why? What was in the water? Why did it ruin every player? Yeah, for sure. Just, uh, I, I think you you put it like a great way, like a retirement moment. Just kind of like yeah, started they dro- started dropping like flies one after the other. So yeah, and it, it wasn't like they were old players that you kind of knew the time was coming. Like that makes it even crazier that they're all like goats of the scene and they they're just gone. I mean, an Octane survived because he was a little younger and had a higher stock coming in. So he got out of there alive. But man, uh, we'll see if that continues because now, I mean, it really can't be a retirement home. I guess Accuracy could could maybe retire or something. But like now they got three young players in there with Accuracy. So maybe they're going to change their ways. Um, but I mean, we got a little bit of discussion we could have maybe on the larger commentary um, on what it means to just have one bad year in this current franchise league with how little spots like we kind of touched about with Joey Nubsy, like a couple bad years, even as a coach destroyed his stock. Uh, we talked about the retired players. Like it's, it's a crazy world now, like in the past with there being 16 plus teams in the CWL and stuff like, you know, you could have a bad year and people are like, yeah, you know, that's still slacked or something. If he had a bad year, like we know he's a good player, but like at this point there's so many players waiting that are hungry and challengers that one bad year can literally end your career now. Yeah, well, I mean, shoot, that kind of ties right into the next, uh, our, our kind of our last news bullet point, uh, where, you know, CDL Intel, uh, he had that tweet of all the players that, you know, started last year in Cold War, but on a roster. Um, so, I mean, if you want to read off some of those names. Yeah, this is absurd. Um, yeah, he tweeted at this point, it was about three hours ago, he tweeted and he said, players who are starting or who started during Cold War at some point that aren't on a starting or rumored roster heading into Vanguard. Uh, you've got Silly, Assault, Mental, Chino, Zap, Scraps, Classic, Fire, Pristini, Alex, Dylan, Shawnee, Parasite, Venom, Diamondcon, Slacked, and then players who retired, Formal, Apathy, Aqua, Looney, Zed. Like, those are some players that, I mean, maybe they aren't the best player ever, but those are some good players. I mean, Mental obviously struggled, but you've got guys like 
I mean, Assault and Silly both struggle, but Chino was a good player. Zap was pretty good last year. Scraps is good. Classic was great towards the end of the year. Pristini is very good. I mean, even Shawnee and Parasite and Venom, Slacked. These guys are good. Like all the players I named, these are good players, and they're just not even going to be on a roster. Yeah, I think that shows that, like, like we said, like one bad year can really just screw you over. Like those are some players that I 100% know can compete in the league and be on successful teams. It's just crazy that there's so little spots. Yeah, uh, you know, I think the names speak for themselves. Like you said, all all of those guys probably could be on a mildly successful team at, at worst. Um, yeah, okay. like, um. Like especially like guys like Pristini, Classic, mm-hmm. uh, even I, Venom. I I, yeah, yeah, Venom for sure. He was on that uh, Thieves squad for a while. Like even even with the retired players included in there, like you can make a couple good teams. Like we could build a couple teams. We could get Formal and Aqua as our ARs. Even Chino as an AR. Maybe even like a Shawnee or a Parasite. Even Diamond Con. We can throw our subs in there. We can have. Pristini and Classic come back as a duo or Pristini and Venom or something like you can make a legit roster that probably could beat Paris again and could compete out of these players that aren't in the league uh, and I mean kind of the turnover to go with that in the tweet as well players set to make the professional debut during Vanguard just the players that are already rumored to be on rosters who knows there's probably gonna be more people picked up midseason but Sib, Pred, Nasty, Dave Petty, Gizmo and then substitutes like Hixie and Yees could potentially be and then there could possibly be more substitutes uh, that are looking to get in or more people that are picked up. So that's, that's a pretty crazy list. And I mean, I'm excited to see the new players, but man, it's just a little bit sad to see all these players that we know could still compete be gone. So I'm really hoping that expansion hits soon because all these players could find their way back into the league. And I think it helps to have a mix of the new faces and also the old faces to kind of keep the popularity, but it's, it's just crazy to read that tweet. It's like, wow, there are that many good players that are just gone because of the way the league is formatted now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just hope that you know some of them get another chance. But you know, the way the league's been going, who knows? Oh yeah, well, I mean, the way the league's been going, we might have another ten retirements uh, after this year when uh, we might be completely <laughs> on all new players. I hope that's not the case because, as as an older fan, I'd still like to see some of my guys that I grew up with in there, but. We can kind of move uh, past our long news segment when we had tons of news to talk about. We can go on to this little mini debate segment that we kind of made up with a couple topics, got some off Reddit, kind of brainstormed some up. This isn't going to be as long as our normal end topics, which end up being like a majority of the podcast because we obviously took a lot on the news, but got a couple topics we're just going to discuss. I was, I mean, I thought about maybe making this like we each were forced to take a side, but I never think when you do debates like that where you're you're forced to take a side that you don't believe in. I mean, maybe for school it's a good exercise, but when you're actually talking about stuff you're passionate about, I think it's better just just take the side you believe in. If we happen to be on the same side, we can kind of reiterate why uh, we believe that to be the case. But got a couple debate topics here. First one, um, should teams be required to make content? Uh, should the players be required to make content? Kind of in the same in the same train of thought. I heard Crimson talking a lot about how he thought that should be the case. Just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that. What do you think? Like, obviously, I don't think it should be like players. You have to upload five videos a week. They must be this content because then people aren't going to be passionate about it and it's just not going to work. But I I do think there should be some requirement on like teams. You've got to post a video a week. I mean, at the very least, and maybe you give them slight incentives or bonuses. They don't have to be financial, but maybe there's some bonus they get uh, for for producing more content. And 
I don't know. It feels like there should be an incentive-based system where maybe if if we get to the point where we have alpha and Bravo streams and stuff like you talked about in the last format, maybe you get more alpha time if you post more content. Uh, something like that. I, I feel like they should be required to post a video or two a week and the CDL can maybe help them out or give them ideas, but that's, I mean, they, a lot of them hire content teams or they should be hiring content teams to come up with these ideas for them. Like, I, I feel like they should be required to to make some content. Maybe the players aren't required to make their own channel because I get it. Maybe some of them don't want to be full-time content creators, but at least the players should have a quota they have to meet where they have to be in a certain amount of the team's videos per week or month or whatever. Yeah, I I definitely agree with um that point about yeah. Teams should be making content, players should be making content. Do I think it's required? That's kind of tough. Um I I I would kind of lean no. I I don't want to see content just for content's sake. I want to see content yeah. because teams want to make it. Mm-hmm. Um that's where my battle know, is too. One of my thoughts is like why don't teams agree to stream one scrim a week? And like you know, both teams would agree. So like, let's say like we have a uh, like London versus NYSL or something, and both coaches are agreeable. And like, so we're gonna everyone's gonna stream that scrim or something. So like, I don't know, just like along the whole thing of like you know, you don't want to be selling out your strats and stuff like that. Um, and also like these teams should should have like content creators or you know content teams that will just like edit the guys' videos for them and post them to YouTube or something like. Yeah, like we have, uh, you know, today, you know, Afro's going to tell you like what sub build he's using or like, uh, you know, who, I don't know, some r- random, jo- random players like we're, we're going to have Gunless tell you like about his, uh, you know, his his way he likes to play P2 on this map or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Just like it doesn't he doesn't even have to be given like, you know, full on stress. It's just like, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of like i'd like to see a little bit more effort from teams that haven't been making content yeah 100 percent. that's why i was trying to kind of toe that fine line of like i don't want teams to be forced to make so many videos that's why i was saying maybe like one a week or like like even one a week that ends up being four a month roughly that's like that's not even bad like i feel like just like like making them come up with one video a week isn't that much like obviously if you had like five a week that would get to be a little much. You got to get some forced videos and players might not want to be in them. But like, I mean, let's face it. Like, yes, you've done the hard work to get into the CDL, but you're like, just like any job, you can't just be stagnant with what you're doing. You can't just be a good player and be happy with it. Like as part of the league and a player in the league, part of your job is to help grow that league and help it go forward because this isn't the NFL or the NBA that have been established for a hundred years and have been around forever and have, have that popularity like this is a brand new league like if you want it to continue and you want to keep your job going like you've got to do a little work to help it grow that's just that's where i come in like you've got a golden opportunity to basically have a free pass to being a potential content creator after after your competitive career is up so like why are you being like why do you have to get forced so hard i guess is just the thought process that goes through my head why do you have to be forced so hard in order to do this but right i don't know i I think we can move on because i think we're basically both on the same page we'd like Mm -hmm. to see teams and players make content but it's a tough issue to force them because you don't want it to be bad content because they don't want to do it you know yeah i i I agree with that all right next one is a is an interesting one because kind of like the previous one there's definitely no definitive 100 percent correct answer here and i feel like i know where you're gonna go i might be on the same page but I, i definitely can see the argument for both players we have a little mini player versus player debate uh i saw it on reddit 
and people were debating in the comments. And I thought it was an interesting one because, like I said, I don't think there's a clear answer. I think arguments can be made on both sides. But who is the better SMG, Standy or Hydra? This is also a little bit of projecting it out into the future, but also just, I mean, we only have one season of them both, Cold War. Kind of, who do you think is going to be the better sub? Who do you think was the better sub in Cold War? You got any thoughts to kick it off? This is tough for me. Um, yeah. you. I mean, obviously, I'm a big fan of Standy. I don't have anything against Hydra. Um, I, I, I like watching both of these guys play. Uh, I think they offer a lot to their respective teams. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of looking at their career stats, and they're pretty equitable. I mean, I guess Hydra has a little bit higher of a KD. Um, mm-hmm. But... I don't know if KD really means everything. Uh, obviously, it's a it's a good benchmark. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll probably stand my ground and say it's Standy. Yeah, I'm looking at. I have like their breaking point, their like career, like overall all time stats pulled up, and yeah, like you said, Standy overall in his career is at a 1.07 KD. Uh, Hydra's at a 1.1 on the dot with Standy with about 500 each more kills and deaths. They're basically, I mean. That 0.03 difference with that many kills, it's not really that big of a difference. I'd say roughly their overall KD is the same. Even when you break it down to the game modes, uh, Hydra has a 1.17 in hardpoint with Standy at a 1.08. Their S&D is literally the same, 1.12, 1.11. And then Standy's significantly better in control. Uh, Paco's at a 0.97, Standy's at a 1.03. So they have their differences in each respawn. But overall, like numbers-wise, they're roughly the same. I guess, I think I would fall on the side of dandy as well but i think the debate is also tough because they're very different play styles standy is more of your route man your guy that's going to hit your pinch he's going to do your dirty work and kind of fly around and just be like a playmaker route taker kind of guy like an envoy is like the stereotypical player we think of that azuma an envoy and i think hydra is more of your scump your simp your uh even your shotzi now like your player that just has always been known for just head bashing and he's just going to slay. So I feel like the debate is more like what you need for your team. I guess I lean more for Standy because I think he's more durable and can fit on more teams because he is that playmaker. But I can see the argument for Hydra because he's just a better slayer. I feel like overall that argument kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. I just, it's, it's a tough one because they're two very different players, but yeah, I think I'd agree yeah. with you. I'd lean, yeah. I'd lean Standy. I think you highlighted it really well. Like they, they have different play styles. Um, you know exactly what they do on the map. I, I, I don't want to say one is going to definitely be better than the other, uh, just because I, I like those guys both so much. Um, but I will yeah, say I, though, I mean, I, I'm willing to hear arguments on either of them. I will say if we're projecting out for like where the community consensus is going to be, I think it potentially after this year could be that Hydra's better. Because I think the Minnesota team could be good, but I don't know if they're going to see the same levels of success they saw in the second half of Cold War. And I think that New York is going to see a lot of success, like we talked about with their roster earlier with Clay and Krim. Like I think they're going to see a lot of success and could potentially win some some tournaments. And we know they'll be in there. Like if they're at the end and they're winning a couple tournaments, maybe competing for a ring at the end. Like I think Hydra could be viewed in the public eye as the better player because his team could have more success, but. I think overall, if I'm starting a team, I think I'm choosing Standy, which is crazy because, I mean, you can't go wrong with either, like we said. Uh, but ready to move on to the next debate topic? Yeah. All right. Kind of sticking with Hydra and NYSL. 
Uh, do we think they're destined to be a top five team? More kind of specifically, can Clay and Krim be a top AR duo? Do they have enough firepower to do so? I, I saw this as well on the Reddit talking about, do you think Clay and Krim can be a top duo? And I initially thought about it. I'm like, 100% they can be a top duo. But I guess if the question is, can they be a top duo in terms of like firepower and slang? I don't know if they can in terms of the pure raw only looking at numbers. I mean, does that does that make sense? Uh, it makes sense, but I don't agree at all. You think numbers wise they're going to be a top duo? I think I mean maybe they're not going to maybe like Clay's not going to be putting up 1.3s every map. Yeah. But I just think the way they're going to play and I don't I just think they're going to I don't know. I I think they're going to be I think they're going to be better than a top five. I think they're going to be, you know, angling for that top three. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think the team is for sure going to be top five. But when you're talking pure firepower, like, I don't know, if you look at some of the some of the other AR duos, like I think like Insight and Cami are going to be more impactful numbers wise. Uh, I think that Dashi and Illy could be more impactful numbers wise. I think um was it on Thieves? Octane and Kenny could be more impactful. That's that's three teams. I think Arcides and Celium, that's four. I even think Gunless and Slasher could potentially be more impactful, just purely numbers-wise. I think those four or five teams right there alone, I mean, you can make arguments maybe for a couple of teams. Like I think they'll certainly have more firepower than like Seattle, Paris, Minnesota, um, even the two rumored rosters of the new teams uh, with Washington and London and Florida and all them. Like, I definitely think they're going to be like top six in terms of firepower, but I don't know, like just purely stats. And like, if I go into a game and it's like talent versus talent, I don't know that they can stack up as well with those, but I do think overall, like it's going to be such a small margin that when it comes down to the plays they're making, they're going to end up being a top four duo, top four, top three AR duo, because well, they're going to keep up in slaying. They might not be the best slayers, but they're going to make up for it in, in the plays they make on the map. I guess I feel like we're almost on different points of the argument. You're saying just like overall, they're going to be top three, no doubt. And I'm I'm agreeing with that, but I don't know firepower wise. Like I feel like they're going to need to rely on Neptune and Hydra. They're going to need to rely on their sub duo a little more than a couple of the other teams are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like you, you listed off a bunch of great AR duos. Um. I, I just don't think it's fair to write off Clay and Krim just oh, based definitely on not. the results they've had in their careers. And, you know, we, we definitely saw Clay hit heights that we didn't think was possible, um, you know, for being such a, you know, a, a seasoned veteran player in the league. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think anything's possible for these guys. So do I. I. I think it'll be an interesting one as the season goes on, too, because... I guess I'm I don't think I'm as high on them as a duo as you are. I'm high on the team overall, but I think the team is maybe going to be extremely successful because of the play of Neptune and Hydra and then Clay and Krim more doing their jobs and letting those two be the superstars. I feel like is where I think the success of the team is going to come from. Uh, I think they're going to be super successful regardless because that's just what Clay and Krim do. Whatever team they're on, they find a way to make it successful. So them together uh, is just doubling that effect but i do think the success of this team might come more from the sub duo but then you get into the debate of are they one a top sub duo because the sub duos are even more ridiculous than the ar ones in the league but i mean another thing we're not even talking about is are they going to be an ar duo like the meta could be three subs and we're going to have crim on a sub and that could be a whole nother debate then but 
I, I think we're basically on the same page in this one too. I, I think we both agree they're going to be top five for sure and, and could even crack that top three. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one's an interesting one because I'm, I'm excited to see where you go because we have an overall, like we've talked about a few times, we have an overall kind of different perspective on the COD scene. Uh, me being in it a little earlier, you arriving a little later, I feel like we could have very different answers for this. So I don't know. I feel like I have a pretty stereotypical one, but it's just been my favorite if you want to go first with yours. It's a, it's the best story arc in COD history. What you believe... So this one is obviously there's no right or wrong answer because it's your opinion on what your favorite story arc is. Uh, I'm going to say my favorite story arc. Um, and, you know, this this did happen before my time. Um, but, you know, it's kind of persisted into um, me coming into the scene and uh, becoming a fan. Uh, I'm going to say Nade Shot. Um, okay. You know, stepping away from optic, uh, you know, a lot of people still meme him to uh to this very day for, you know, using the HBR, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. He kinda I mean, maybe he gets a little bit disrespected as a player just because of like, you know, that scene and and stuff. Um but you know, Nade Shot was a guy like when I was first coming into Call of Duty just in general, like back in like the COD, COD four, um, you know, Modern Warfare two, like he was a guy that I definitely like knew of. I, I would probably say I watched some of his videos, although I don't really remember. I'm sure. Um, he did. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But then, you know, he steps away kind of like he's making his own, you know, he obviously founds hundred thieves, uh, you know, gets a lot of like, you know, I mean, he has freaking Drake as an investor. That's pretty massive. And then comes back into, uh, the scene it, most prominently in Black Ops 4 with that, you know, Octane, Kenny, uh, Slasher, um, Priesta, and the fifth. Why can't I think of Oct- Kenny, Slasher, Priesta, and Enable. Enable, yeah, yeah. I mean, with with, with that team, and the, obviously they went back to back events, and then, uh, you know, he's not able to get into the first year of franchising, and then obviously cold war he buys out the um ogla spot from immortals uh and now you know he's making a name for himself in all esports um but you know i i think that would be my favorite story arc in uh in cod history yeah that is definitely uh one of the best ones for sure it's actually go i mean both nate shot definitely overlaps into my favorite story arc i think it's a lot of people's but my Favorite story arc of all time is the hero and the villain. Aches and Optic is 100% my favorite because it's just poetic how it always happened. It just always repeatedly happened. They matched up in the biggest tournaments and the biggest moments always. And it was always a back and forth. There wasn't one that really came out all the time, but it seemed like every time Optic was the favorite, there was one thing that stood in their way and it was Aches. And the dude just always got it done. It's like one of those stories because it was always also awesome because like a lot of players if they beat a team like optic and then all you hear is the booze and the booze and the booze and people are just like booing them like crazy it's like they'd almost get down on it but aches was one of those guys that truly fed off of it like he heard the boo like he loved it like he liked it more than the cheers and that's like kind of psychotic if you think about it a little bit but also just like super cool in a way like i mean black ops 2 you got the nade shot pushing aches after they win an event which kind of starts it all uh, going into Ghost, that team absolutely dominates. Uh, Optic was the only team that really gave them a scare at all in Ghost Champs on their dominant run. 
I believe it was something like Optic won the map one, and then they should have won the map two or something, and then that's when Nachon Embos went like four and twenty, uh, both of them, and they choked it away, and Ace beats them. Then you go into Advanced Warfare. Optic is maybe the favorite team, like the most heavily favorite team ever going into any COD event at the time, going into the AW Champs, and then they get knocked out in seventh place, and who knocks them out? Aches on an underdog team with Parasite and Enable, and another AR Slasher on Phase Red. They knock out Optic, who is like the heaviest favorite of all time. And of course, it's Aches coming out of nowhere to beat them. Then you go to Black Ops 3. Aches is on a terrible team all year. Who's the favorite going into champs? Both Optic and Envy. Who knocks them out in seventh? Again, for the second straight year, it's Aches. Uh, and it's like, God, these guys can never beat Aches. Then they go to IW, and Optic finally wins it all. I don't believe they played Aches at all, but then they kind of get their revenge. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wow, Optic won. Here they go. They get to World War II. Uh, they're playing the EG team with Aches. All they have to do is win one single map. They can lose 3-1, and they make it out of pools, and they get 3-0'd by Aches to knock them out of the tournament. It's just like, it persists always. It's just always Aches for Optic. It was always the storyline. Like Everybody was cheering against Aches, and he didn't care. He always got it done. It's like that classic hero-villain story, and it's it's by far my favorite. But you got any honorable mentions? Um, You know, I kind of drawing it back to... Uh... You know, when I first started coming into competitive, um, definitely the uh, major five. Um, oh yeah, Minnesota reverse sweeping uh, Toronto Ultra in the final, coming back down from four maps to zero, uh, and then rattling off five in a row to win major five. Um, just you know, who knows what would have happened with that team if they had, you know, not pulled it off. If if they had gotten like five out in the final. Would that have chalked the whole team, and you know mm-hmm. that team would be non-existent now, or you'd see players, off, you know, off wherever on other teams. Um, that's definitely a big one. I think phased, uh, rattling off uh, an insanely impressive Cold War season, winning champs and winning three majors to boot with that. Um, definitely pretty, pretty freaking epic, epic as well. Um, Maybe in the modern warfare scene, uh, I don't know. I don't really know if I have a big one, just because that whole year was kind of bad. With the, the the game didn't help, and then obviously, the, you know, everything moving online was pretty pretty big. Um, you know, to, to uh, detract from all all the scenes that could have been. Um, maybe the the beginning of that, like the post crim optic or huntsman at the time with uh with you know scump and formal kind of like giving him crap across the stage and uh you know he he crim kind of turned into the villain after black mm-hmm. ops 4 took on ace um, role i still think that's a pretty i mean that's a pretty big story in itself and that kind of spurred the whole like can scump and crim ever bury the hatchet and like scump wasn't invited to the wedding and all this stuff like <laughs> that um but that that kind of takes that kind of goes away from Call of Duty. That kind of per, that pervades into their personal lives. Um, but I definitely, you know, I, I don't know if those are the biggest storylines in Call of Duty history. But for for me, those are like pretty pretty large overarching narratives that I've had since I've came into the scene. Yeah, I have one honorable mention. Uh, those are definitely great ones, especially that's one I didn't actually think of. But it's a fantastic call out the. 
the Krim kind of taking on the Aixaral and becoming the villain. That's a storyline that's still developing, obviously, and maybe could develop even more this year after he kind of gets kicked off his world championship team and has a little more bad blood. Uh, that That is one that I definitely would like to see develop more. I think it could get to that Aix level. The other one I think that you'll really appreciate is because I think he's one of your favorite players is the Clayster storyline uh, with him being a very good player in Black Ops 2 and Ghost winning tons of events. In AW, he wins champs, uh, wins tons of events. And then I believe... He, I mean, he wins a couple events with FaZe as well, and then he won an event in AW with FaZe, and then he went the rest of AW without winning, all of Black Ops 3, all of IW, all of World War II without winning, and it was like a streak of, it was over three years Clay went without winning. Uh, and at the time, in that three-year drought, he only had the one ring from AW and then a handful of other championships, but he was nowhere near viewed as one of the greatest players of all times. He was one of the most popular, but he was another one of those guys that was in the category of, a few wins in a ring, a very good player, definitely a top uh, 30, top 20 player. And then he gets himself on that United team. Everything is a mess. He considers, like he said, he was in the low point, like thinking the end might be soon, retirement might be soon. And then he wins that event back to back with United, wins a ring. Then obviously the next year wins another ring. And like, that's one of the best storylines of all time to me too. Like the resilience of a guy, especially the oldest player in the league getting way up there in age and could easily just be like, yeah, I'm too old, can't compete anymore. And instead, after like the 1300 or whatever, like three, four year drought from AW to Black Ops 4, he wins a couple events and then wins two rings. I mean, when he was ver- like on the verge of going four years or whatever without winning, I bet you he could have never imagined that he was going to get two more rings. Like that's also one of the best like feel good story arcs, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I definitely, you know, Clay is one of my, you know, more respected you know, personalities on the scene, just like based on you know who he is and everything. But yeah, I, I, I think that's, you know, f- talk about a guy that's been around for, you know, since day one resilience. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of players. I can imagine the mental state he had to be in. It'd be pretty easy to give up if, if you're getting older, cause then everybody tells you, you know, you're older, you can't hang as much. And you've had a lot of talented teams and you've gone over three years without winning after being on the top, that could get so frustrating and just make you want to quit in itself. So that's also one of the best storylines. Uh, we've got one more debate topic, though, before we kind of wrap things up. Uh, and this is an interesting one because there's a lot of options you can go with, I feel like, which is maybe not something you would think. But what team right now out of the rumor rosters, now that we've technically got all 12 either confirmed or rumored, I mean, I don't think the two rumored rosters are going to be your pick. If if they are, that's a hot take. Uh, but what team right now would be your number one pick if you just got one pick to dethrone phase? Who would it be? Oh, man. Uh, are we kind of saying like for champs or like at the very start of the game? Um, I don't know. I feel like I, don't, I feel like because I mean, we're, we're coming into this year assuming phase is the favorite to be the best team throughout right. the whole year again okay. i would assume so i would say who do you think has the potential to like at the end of vanguard we're gonna sit down and be like you know what just because we know it's not going to be them i'm gonna be like you know what paris legion they're gonna be the best team in all of vanguard like who are we gonna sit down at the end of the game obviously you could i mean you might believe it's phase it's a good pick but like who are we gonna say is the most the team most likely to be like wow they're the best team at the end of vanguard that's not phase has, has the best potential to take them off that throne Jeez. um I mean, I feel like we can, we don't have to just say our team right away. Yeah. I feel like we've got, I mean, I think London is going to be a very good team this year, but I don't think they're going to be on that level. I think they're right. going to surprise. So I think we can kind of eliminate them. I don't think Florida is going to get there. Uh, I don't think Paris or Seattle are going to get there. I don't no. think that rumored Washington roster is going to get there. Uh, 
I, I let me know if you agree with this, but I think the teams you can narrow it down to would be. I don't. I really don't know if Rocker can get there. I think they could be a team that could win an event, but I don't know if we're going to look back at the year and say they were the best team the whole year. Do you agree with that, or would you right. maybe throw them in there? Um, I mean, to say dethrone phase is the best team in the game, I would probably have to eliminate them. Yeah, I, I think they could be a team that could maybe sneak an event if it's the same format or be very competitive, but overall best team in the year. I don't see them winning three events or something like phase. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess I would cut it down to the teams that I think I mean, you might have different options, but my teams that I would list as my potential would be in no order. Gorillas, Optic, Thieves, Subliners, and Ultra would be like my five teams that I'd be picking from. Yeah. Um, Are there any of those that you'd eliminate out? No, not not offhand. I would probably hot take and say Subliners. Okay. Um, I'm. I mean, as evidenced by the last uh, little bit on Crim and Clay, I. I'm definitely super high on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm, I'm super high on, you We're know, have a year on the podcast. Year. You're going to be the Rex shady Nero of this podcast. It's awesome. I know. Like, yeah. The New York stand and I want to have to fight you on it or something. Although I do think New York's going to be really good. I don't know. I, I really wanted to say gorillas too. Um, they're a hot take, I, but it's not like it's, I'm, it's I'm possible. S- I'm so nervous about that team too. Like I just, mm-hmm. I really, I really want the best for all those guys, especially like the chip on their shoulder. Like everyone has something to prove. Um, but -hmm. at the same time, I'm, I'm nervous that they might just kind of like, you know, bottle their engines and not really do a whole lot. Um, you know, they, they, they might be like, you know, a top seven, eight team at best, uh, and not really like make a whole lot of noise optic, uh, optic envy, whatever. Um, I don't know. They'd really have to, you know, everything would have to go right for them. My thing based. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree. I won't. I don't think I'm gonna pick Optic, but I think they'd be my second or third choice because I I believe that Optic, purely gun skill and talent wise, is the best competitor. I think that that might be a little bit of a hot take, but I think with Scump, Shotzi, Illy, uh, Dashy, I think purely raw skill, no teamwork aspect. I think they're the most equipped to just have a purely talent gunfight game with Phase. I think they're the most equipped. But I think like the intangibles of a team like New York puts them ahead of them because like New York has that skill, but also I think is going to have a lot more teamwork. I mean, do you get where I'm coming from with that? I think like for purely sure. raw talent wise, I think Optic is the most equipped. And if they put it together, they'd be my pick. But I, I don't think I can say they are. So I'm on the same boat with you. I want to hot take it and say Gorillas because I think they certainly could be. But I think they're a little bit too too many question marks with them to put them there. What what about Toronto? We haven't said anything about them, but they were the no doubt second best team in the game last year. Yeah, I mean, not that I'm I, I I'm not de- de- denying Toronto in any way. Um, it's just it seems like a lot of teams got better and they're staying the same. Um, and also, let's be honest, this is how it goes in sports and everything. Like when you've got a new roster and subliners, a new optic roster, new um, LA rosters, and then you've got the same roster. You just are generally more excited about the new rather than the old. So like we could be underrating Toronto because we're probably just more excited about to see the new rosters. Yeah, like, for I, sure. Um, I think we could I, be. I think Toronto will be right there. Um, you know, you, you probably would have said if Toronto had maybe one stage five major and one champs that they were probably going to be the best team in the game. Yeah. They would have won three events. Yeah. You could definitely yeah. say that. Um, so they, they were pretty close in, in that regard. Um, I'll say, I think with the whole, like, if it was as as 
as much true as it like seemed to be with Kleenex potentially wanting to leave the team. I think that could really affect them this year. Uh, I guess if I have to, if I'm forced to make a pick right now, I think, oh man, so you're going with subliners as your pick. Yeah, I'm going to stick with that. I think subliners is a really good pick. Uh, I kind of limited LAG and Toronto from it. I'm kind of down to optic thieves and subliners. I want to be different than you though. Although I do think subliners is, honestly the safest pick because i think it's pretty much they're like the one team up here that's like a guarantee to be good i think i'm gonna go a little more bold i think i'm gonna say thieves thieves has the potential to do it uh i think talent wise wow. it's optic but i think it could be thieves because i feel like we've got a lot of pieces here and one of the hungriest teams like octane is going to be out there hungry we saw the last time a team with this somewhat of this composition was together they won a couple events and had they closed out that champs run they would have been no doubt the best team in black ops for i don't know I think it's honestly a crapshoot between the teams we had listed. Like, it's going to be like uh, Subliners, Ultra, one of the LA teams, or Optic as that second best team this year in my mind. No doubt about it. It's just a matter. It's just a matter. I, I really want to pick Optic, but I'm going to go Thieves uh, as my pick. But to be honest, I, I have about a 1% confidence level in that because I think you might have made the right pick, but I wanted to be different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think any of those teams are capable. Um, I hope it's but, as much of a struggle for that two spot as we have to pick it too, or who we think right. is the most likely to dethrone it, because it'll be a fun year if it is. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. It'll, it'll be a fun year to see. I mean, if New York and Toronto and the LA teams and Optic, and then even your dark horses like your Londons and your Minnesotas, uh, your Seattle's are in there, we're going to be in for a really, really, really fun year. Um, you got anything else to say on that before we kind of get into our little segment and wrap it up? No, I'm I'm all ready. All right, you got you got a down bad sports moment of the week. We're kind of starting to make this a little bit of a regular thing. Obviously, I had some tweets last night. I was hyped about the Colts game, so not too much, not too much yeah. negative happening in my sports world. Yeah, I've got I've got a I've got two quick ones. <laughs> um, number one, Lions uh, matched up against uh, their old franchise quarterback Matt Stafford, yeah. uh, now on the LA Rams. And uh, it was actually a pretty close game. I think both teams were kind of playing down, um, you know, to each other's level. Uh, but, you know, Rams ended up winning. Lions moved to 0-7 on the year. Um, they're definitely just like, they have no business winning any games now. They are should probably just tank for a draft pick, in my opinion. Um, but, like I said, I'm giving uh, our head coach, Dan Campbell, I'm giving him three, <laughs> three years of carte blanche before i get mad so i'm not even really mad i'm just kind of like you know this is expected not mad just disappointed uh, yeah exactly <laughs> another one I, I i know we have a few few uh eu uh uk listeners um i was watching uh soccer on sunday morning and i saw manchester united got beat five to zero by liverpool um you know two really big teams in the uh premier league and uh you know, Did Manchester United now has Ronaldo on the team. Uh, they're kind of expect- right. They were they they should be expected to you know be a top tier team, but then they go out and got beat five zero at home. Uh, just really tough scenes for uh, anyone that's a Man U supporter. Um, I'm kind of uh, unbiased in my Premier League, uh, you know, allegiances. And then uh, also the same day, uh, I guess this is my this is my third down bad. Uh, Lewis Hamilton got beat in the uh f1 race he's a 
F1 racer mm-hmm. from the UK. He got beat by Max Verstappen. I'm not a big F1 guy, but you know, just another down bad day for UK. Sorry, guys. I know we have mm-hmm. a few UK listeners. Um, so yeah, but those are my, uh, I guess, three. I'm I'm sorry, I kind of cheated there by taking three. Nah, that's fine. Didn't isn't Mo Salah on Liverpool? Yep. And he had like a hat trick or something. Yeah. See, my soccer knowledge is not that great. I really like watching international play. I like watching the USA, even though they suck. Uh, but I, I have one of my best friends in the world played soccer his whole life. So I play FIFA with him. That's about where my knowledge extends from is FIFA and seeing players on there. So I know a little bit about where people play, but I mean, I don't know nearly as much as oh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners and you do. But I actually thought of I have a 100. I can't believe I didn't think of this. Um, I'm headed to the Colts game this weekend and I had plans. I mean, this is kind of like a graduation, like celebration, gr- college graduation trip. I'm going with my dad. Uh, to the Colts game this weekend and going to buy, I mean, obviously being in Wisconsin, there's not a lot of Colts merch around here unless I want to order online and kind of going to do a little shopping spree, buy myself a bunch of Colts clothes and stuff because I don't really have a ton because um, a lot of it's from when I was younger uh, and I've outgrown a lot of it, but I was going to buy myself a Julian Blackman jersey. He is like my favorite player on the Colts and he ruptured his Achilles this week. Second one of his career, he had one in college that affected his draft stock coming in. And if any of you listeners or Kyle you remember Bob Sanders um was on the Colts kind of in the early 2000s in the Peyton Manning era helped us win a Super Bowl uh one of the most just played with just no care in the world and flew around the field that's exactly how Julian Blackman played I think he was developing into one of the best safeties in the league and he went down not even in a game he went down in practice this week uh with a torn Achilles so I was really sad when that happened because he is one of my favorite players in the NFL and was really coming into his own this year and helping the Colts defense, who's number one in takeaways so far this year. Um, and he had a couple. He had that. He forced the fumble on that big like play uh, against Lamar in the Monday night game. Uh, mm-hmm. He's just developing big time. So I'm sad to see him gone because a second Achilles tear before you're 25 could be threatening to the career, and he's one of my favorite players. So that is definitely my down bad moment. Yeah, I mean... It seems like there's been so many injuries in the NFL this year. Like you have so many guys on IR. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have like McCaffrey, Russell Wilson, just a I... terrible amount of people on IR or just like season-ending injuries. Just a really tough year for you know the the health and safety. <laughs> I saw a stat, and I feel like it was a little inaccurate. Um, but I'm pretty sure it said something. And don't quote me on the number exactly, but I'm pretty sure it said something like 15 or 16 of the 22 Colts starters that were like projected to be starters to go into the year have missed a game, at least one game, like something absurd. And that doesn't just trickle to only the Colts. They're 100% along with like the Ravens, the most injured team in the NFL this year. But it is absurd. I've seen so many Lions players go down with season-ending injuries too. Like like you said, the injuries this year are absurd. It just sucks to see because, I mean, you always want to see every team at full strength. Uh, You never want to see teams winning because of injuries. And then, like, even rookies like Trey Lance got hurt. Zach Wilson's hurt now. Russell Wilson's hurt. Like, the amount of quarterbacks and just players injured overall. Baker's out. Um, It's absurd to see. Uh, Fitzmagic went down early in the year. Daniel Jones went down. Like, uh, I don't know what's going on, but I hate all these injuries. Just something absurd. All right. You got anything else to say before we kind of wrap it up? No, I'm ready to wrap. All right. Thank you guys so much for watching. Obviously, this episode was a little different. We didn't have like a, a full-on segment like we normally do. Kind of went over a bunch of the news that we had and a little bit of a debate segment. If that was something uh, you guys liked, whenever we don't have like a major topic, we could throw a couple debate topics in there because, I mean, there's always endless ones you can come on. You could debate players head-to-head and 
you could just put a bunch of them in there. But thank you guys so much for watching. If you audio platforms, um, if you could drop a follow on there, leave a review if you're able to on the platform you're listening to. Come head over to YouTube, drop a sub over here, and check us out over here. Uh, during the year, there might be slight content posted on the YouTube channel for quick reactions to random news that may not be posted on the audio platform. So if you want to head over to YouTube and follow on there, as well as the other platforms. Also, I'm going to link it in the description, but follow the podcast channel on Twitter as well as Kyle. I'm going to link Kyle's Twitter in there as well. Go give him a follow. He's been a huge help to the podcast, just having someone to bounce ideas off of and having somebody else to come up with ideas because believe it or not, I'm not an all-knowing genius and cannot come up with all these ideas by myself. Kyle helps a ton and provides a lot of ideas that have really improved the uh, quality of the podcast. So go drop him a follow as well. Um, that's going to do it for this one. I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, we'll probably see you again roughly at the same time. Might be The podcast might be out a little later next week because I'm going to be getting uh, home really late Sunday night and going to be busy to start the week. So it might be a little later than normal, but I'm sure we'll get it out to you. And it'll be a big one because it'll maybe be a preview in Vanguard one. Uh, we'll maybe get a little more news. But that's going to do it for this one. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll see you in the next one. Have a great day, everyone.